We want to say thank you for listening. So our sponsors have given some great deals in this episode. Check these out. This episode of the Real Rescue Podcast is brought to you by Breeze Eastern, the world's only dedicated helicopter hoist and winch provider. Access. Because when lives are at stake and conditions are challenging, clear communication is of the utmost importance. And SR3 Rescue Concepts, because you don't know what you don't know. Breeze Eastern. They dedicate themselves to our helicopter rescue world. Since the very first helicopter rescue in November of 1945, Breeze Eastern has designed and manufactured superior rescue hoist solutions. While much of the technology and the unique mission requirements have changed over the past 75 years, their commitment to the rescuers, the operators, and those being rescued has not. Contact them today by visiting them at breeze-eastern.com. The Access PNG Wireless ICS System can bring cutting-edge wireless intercommunication system technology to any aircraft. The PNG system can be fully integrated into an existing ICS system or can be carried on and off as a mobile base station. They can go anywhere, at any time, on any aircraft. Plus, with the strongest and most robust waterproof handheld on the market, this system can take a hit and keep working. Their wireless intercom systems are designed to enhance situational awareness through improved communication capability. This system brings superior noise-canceling technology to eliminate rotor wash and engine noise from your ICS. The Access PNG wireless system is currently deployed in more than 1,800 public safety, air ambulance, and search and rescue aircraft worldwide. I have personally used the Access system in four different countries and on five different airframes. It is awesome. If you want more information, contact them today at access.com. That's A-X-N-E-S.com. You just make sure you tell them Quinny sent me. And SR3 Rescue Concepts is a training company that can help with your helicopter training, a standardization and safety check, or maybe just an audit or an FAA refresher. They are here to bring your agency up to date with the most current techniques, rules, regulations, and equipment. The training staff is awesome. With a certified flight instructor pilots, experienced crew members, which I am happy to say that I am one of them, they offer training in rescue, medical, tactical, firefighting, ground operations, and night vision goggle use. SR3 has also partnered with Petzl to assist with personal protective equipment and the highly specific Lazard. SR3 also goes beyond the helicopter world as they provide high angle rescue training and tactical medicine training. Contact them today at sr3rescueconcepts.com or over on Instagram at sr3 underscore rescue. Coming up next, we get something that we don't usually hear, and that is a SAR case or a rescue mission that you get to hear from front to end. Like this guy saw it happen, did the rescue, made the save, and everybody lived to tell the tale. It was awesome. So please welcome our next guest, United States Navy rescue swimmer, Mr. Tyler Bodecker. My name is Jason Quinn. 
I am United States Coast Guard Rescue Swimmer number 500. These are my rescues and rescues from those of us that put our lives on the line every day so others may live. This is The Real Rescue Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to The Real Rescue. I've got another rescue swimmer with me. Not just any rescue swimmer. He's a Navy rescue swimmer. Yes, I, I had to throw that out there, Tyler, just for you, all right? <laughs> Mr. Tyler Bodecker. What's up, my brother? How are you? Hey, what's, how's it going? Pretty good it's every good, self. man. It's good. Oh, awesome. man, I'm fantastic. Hey, thanks for joining me and, and getting ready to tell your stories. It's, uh, I love the fact that you and I had met kind of at random but not at random because it was like HAI and then through Massif and through SR3 and all these connections. And all of a sudden there, you know, I think it was Corey that threw you under the bus. Oh yeah. He was a Navy swimmer. And I was like, what? And then we get went from there. So. Yeah. Yeah. It was like the Swiss cheese effect, but in a good way, you know? Yeah, totally. I'll give Corey a little credit. Hey, thanks Corey. <laughs> For sure. Oh, that's funny. Nice. Anyway, well, again, welcome to the show. I, I really appreciate it. I know uh, we've got a couple of things to talk about. One in particular story, which I'm, I'm really excited to hear about. Um, but before we get into that, if you don't mind, a little background about you, a little like kind of where you're from and then how you got into the Navy. Uh, yeah. So, um, you know, as you've said, uh, my name is Tyler Bodecker, um, originally from the central coast of California. Uh, so Paso Robles specifically, uh, it's kind of like a small little town that has kind of turned into a wine country space and whatnot and out th at this point. Um, I grew up kind of doing a lot of action sports. I raced motocross my entire life. Uh, so that was kind of the big one. Traveled a lot doing that around the local area. Um, I was independent studies in high school, starting sophomore year to, to just ride a lot and uh, ended up starting working full-time pretty early because of that as well uh, for my dad doing decorative concrete. Um, decorative concrete? Really? Yeah. Cool. <laughs> yeah. I should call him for a patio I want to put in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah he, he's definitely good at it. Um, but yeah, a lot of decorative concrete. So backbreaking work before helicopters doesn't help the back, I don't think. But, um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so did that for about four years or so. Uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, that's kind of just what I really did in the local area. Um, had a lot of kids that I grew up with kind of all make it like pro, uh, just something in the water out there with the motocross world. It was interesting, but it went pro in motocross. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, like a couple of guys that are local, like Tyler Beerman and Jesse Nelson. Uh, wow, they're kind of like nice. well known names up there. But but yeah, kind of came. We all grew up together in a small little town. Um, yeah, it's, it's a cool place good place to grow up for sure. But, um, I didn't think so as much, you know, while we were there. So that was part of the reason I left for the Navy was thinking that I could find something better, you know, but, uh, uh, didn't necessarily work out that way. Uh, <laughs> you know, <but laughs> definitely realized I had a good, uh, good spot that I grew up at, but. So you made it back home. You're like, Oh, I'm, I'm going to go home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm, I, I made it somewhat close to home. I'm about two hours away now at this point, but um but yeah so i kind of did a lot of that growing up um just hanging out with friends you know the standard uh kid stuff wasn't really into school as much kind of the more of the punk kid i guess <laughs> not the nice well, punk kid i guess you could say running around but when you're on motocross yeah. i mean that's all you want to do 
Where, where, can I yeah. get gas and can I get a little part? Cause I just broke this on the bike. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Pretty much that. And yeah. Yeah. Basically just working to pay for dirt bike riding and yeah. How much yeah. gas can you, gas money can you save up for the next track the next weekend and, and that whole thing. So it was always a good time. Um, I miss it a lot for sure, but, but I think it helped me a lot uh, with a lot of other things, just mechanically and just motor sensory skills, all that kind of stuff. So it's cool. Um, but why, so why the Navy? Like, I mean, uh, well, so when I was working for my dad for that, that many years, you know, I didn't really like, uh, doing concrete. So kind of came down to, sorry, dad. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of came down to, um, you know, him kind of getting on me a little bit to, to try to get a little pressure to, to figure out what I want to really do with, uh, with my life. Um, and I, one night I just kind of sat down at the computer, started Googling, uh, careers, <laughs> like anything and everything. Uh, and then, you know, the Navy guys are going to make fun of me for this one for sure. But, uh, I came across coast, uh, coast guard rescue swimmers and always knew that I didn't really yes. want to. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, so that's the first experience that I ever heard of like anything that had to do with helicopters and um, you know swimming or anything like that. I had no swimming background outside of growing up on a lake, um, but no competitive swimming or anything like that. You know, but it just seemed like something that was you know adrenaline worthy and just kind of everything that I would want in a career field um, to and get paid to do it. And so yeah, I just kind of was committed and at that point i knew uh that day like within an hour of, of like finding that and kind of digging down it i knew i wanted to be a rescue swimmer and uh, after that i started doing triathlons um and i got really into swimming uh, got into road biking and so which i already had a road bike from the motocross side but uh you know just got really into the physical fitness side of things uh, and then started taking or going to the recruiting office but the coast guard guy started really give me the reality of, of the situation of basically that I've got to go undesignated wait, you know, for a while and then get put on the list to go to STA school. And then, you know, not, nothing was guaranteed. And then the Navy guys kind of heard my uh, frantic need to leave or want to leave. And so that they had rescue swimmers as well and guaranteed my, my schools had a $25,000 signing bonus, all those. So it was kind of like, you know uh, and then they said like oh and you get to shoot guns too and i was like uh <laughs> no but yeah maybe i will you know <laughs> so i kind of went know, that route that's yeah, actually they... not a bad gig i'm just gonna th- let's go coast guard step it up jeez <laughs> yeah <laughs> right yeah so it was um yes and i joined out of san luis obispo um which um yeah so coast guard guys there they were not uh super motivated to bring me in or anything like that. Cause it was, you know, that one thing It was just, you know, they wanted me to go on des and, and get out of here. So, um, but yeah, I went the Navy route committed to that. Um, ended up taking like two years to actually leave for boot camp because I didn't want to accept anything else other than that job. Um, wow. and then, yeah, it took some serious time and uh, a lot of setbacks personal life wise, uh, just kind of everything under the sun was happening and, um finally was able to leave and the rest is really history you know uh, kind of went down the pipeline and the whole navy route from that point on so um, awesome yeah yeah it was a good time though i, I liked it <laughs> <laughs> man that's great i love it 
What great way to get started. I can't believe it Coast. Come on, Coast Guard. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only picking yeah. on Coast Guard because that that's I mean, that's me. That's what I do. I say. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So when you got into the Navy, um, you had gone on a couple of deployments, and this was your second deployment because this first rescue was like the rescue. Yeah, yeah. It's um, I mean, it's pretty much the the epitome of what we train for as Navy rescue swimmers, you know, it's, it's literally to the T, uh, for getting like, as us Navy rescue swimmer guys, we don't get a lot of rescues at all, if, if any. Uh, so I'm fortunate enough to get this one, but, uh, but yeah, it was to the T what we trained for. So that was always, um, I felt pretty fortunate to, to be able to say that I did my legit job, you know, with, yeah, uh, that's awesome. (laughs) well, I'll tell you what, you know what, it was cool. Without further ado, let me let me get right into it because it's it's awesome. And fact of the matter is, this first rescue actually earned you the Navy and Marine Corps Accommodation Medal. So, uh, yeah, like you're talking like cut and dry and exactly the way it was supposed to be. And you guys were on like on duty, ready to go, dude. This this is gonna be fun. I'm I'm looking forward to this. So, let me get right into the write up and uh, and then give us a little background. Ready? Absolutely. All right, let's do it. Department of the Navy, this is to certify that the Secretary of the Navy has awarded the Navy and Marine Corps Combination Medal to Naval Air Crewman, Tactical Helicopter, Third Class, Aviation Warfare, Tyler D. Bodecker, for meritorious service in the superior performance of his duties while serving as rescue swimmer at the controls of Canvas 611 attached to Helicopter Anti-Submarine Squadron 5 on 8 April 2013. On that afternoon, the crew of the Victory 206 were forced to eject from their stricken aircraft while on final approach to the Dwight D. Eisenhower, operating in the North Arabian Sea. Canvas 611 responded immediately and was on scene in less than 30 seconds, quickly locating both survivors. With complete disregard for his own personal safety, Petty Officer Bodecker entered the water on two separate occasions to personally recover the two aviators. His sound judgment and the adept use of survival equipment enabled him to complete both rescues in less than 19 minutes. Pastor Bodecker's distinctive accomplishments, unrelenting perseverance, and steadfast devotion to duty reflect greatly upon himself and with keeping with the highest traditions of the United States Naval Services. Tyler, holy smoke, dude. So what I'm <laughs> gathering here is that an aircraft was going in and you had to go get them out. Yes, sir. <laughs> oh, snap. Like this is the stuff you actually hear about with you Navy guys and, and going in. You're on aircraft carriers. You're on whatever. And and this stuff goes sideways. This is why you guys launch. You're doing that. You're like you're up in the air at the time. You're doing patterns around as you're doing touch and goes or whatever. And. Mm-hmm. This aircraft didn't quite make it back. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, it was an interesting one for sure. It was kind of one of those days. Uh, surprisingly, I mean, you could ask the guys that were on the crew before me and everything. He was uh, my LPO at the time, but I told him that day that I was getting a rescue, uh, which was <laughs> an part of this <laughs> whole story, you know. Uh, uh. <laughs> in kind of like a poking way too. I kind of like just poked him a little bit about it, and because uh, um, he had missed one 
prior to with another one of our troop uh, guys in our shop. He got a rescue from a French French Raphael uh, aircraft crash uh, while we were like doing some training dogfights, I guess. And he was like a, a minute short, you know, just one of those like situations where he just missed it uh, and somebody else got it. But um, but yeah, so I mean, it was one of those days that I claimed I was getting rescued. Um, it was an interesting time during the deployment. We had, um, we were with the Germans actually, uh, which is the first time I think in ever that we had deployed with the, the U S is deployed with the Germans. Um, nice. and we were wow. doing passenger transfers. Yeah. Um, so we were, we were doing these crew swaps all the time. Um, so they would take three Americans and we would take three Germans, uh, for each day. And, uh, we were heading up, we were doing starboard D so the pattern that you were mentioning earlier, where we just kind of hang out waiting for the jets to crash, uh, to do our jobs and whatnot. And um, as we were doing that, we were in between cycles, we wanted to do a passenger transport, uh, transfer for, to bring the Americans over to the, back to the aircraft carrier. Uh, once we picked them up, we uh, called tower on the, at the aircraft carrier and uh, told them we were inbound for a PAX transfer to drop these guys off real quick. Uh, and they basically told us to f off in a in a nice way, uh, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> yeah, um, and told us that they were dealing with an emergency, but they wouldn't give us any further information. So, um, you know, you hear about the emergencies being dealt with all the time. So we didn't think a whole lot about it, but we kind of been practicing, and we had a, our pilot was a new hack as well. So a we new were hack. Define yeah, new hack. A helicopter aircraft commander. So oh, it was okay. his first flight ever as like being completely in charge and responsible for the aircraft. <laughs> All right, let's go. And sir. I was, <laughs> yeah. And I was the junior crewman as well. So it was kind of that old uh, Navy rescue scenario where it's like the junior most pilot and the junior crewman. And um, yeah, <laughs> and yeah, a lot of, a lot of old stories on this one go to the, to work in his favor for sure. Oh, that's hilarious. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but um, I lost track where I was just at. So you're in your patterns waiting. The, uh, the tower oh, yeah. tells you so, to screw off. Yeah. So we call tower. Uh, they tell us to F off nicely um, and tell us that they're dealing with an emergency. So we had trained that we would basically just start doing automatic approaches just to, to test the system and make sure that we were good to go in case of anything, even though we didn't, we were all pretty confident nothing was about to happen. And uh, then a couple of minutes later, we had the German ship actually call us, uh, which they were the Hamburg. Um, I think red light was their call sign at the time. But they, they called over and asked us if we were aware of the emergency aircraft as well. And then so we kind of all started thinking, like, maybe this is a little, something a little more serious, but they weren't reaching out to us, which was interesting. Um, and uh, so kind of all the comms went a little silent. We were listening uh, to them communicating back and forth with the aircraft. But. Basically, what it, uh, I look up to the four o'clock position roughly, and I see the aircraft coming in on final, and um, everything looked fine. All the landing gear was down. You know, it, it, it just it didn't look like any issues. So, still no red flags on our end, <laughs> like at least yeah. you know in the brain stuff. But um, and then all of a sudden, as I'm watching it, I, all of a sudden the I just see the wings rock a couple of times, and then you just see both guys punch out. Um, and so I got to watch the whole thing from start to finish, you know, and, uh, it was pretty wow. wild, but yeah, it was, 
I punched out and as soon as the thing lost the rust, it went just straight down right into the water. Um, so it was, it was pretty intense. So my heart was racing for sure. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, so I got to see the whole thing happen, uh, called it out, you know, I just told the pilots, you know, that we just, they just ejected, they just ejected. Um, and then you start getting the ELT going off. So everyone's got helmet fire because the ELT is just screaming. And then I couldn't get the pilots or someone to turn the volume down for me. So I ended up just pulling my helmet off completely and just getting dressed out that way um, to at a certain point. And, uh, you know, like the story says 30 seconds, but I, I would imagine it was a little bit longer than that. But at the same time, <laughs> you know what? It's, you're in the Navy. All right. It's not a job. <laughs> it's an adventure. 30 seconds. All right, let's go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, maybe it was, you know, but it, it felt quick though, for sure. Um, or it felt long is what it felt like. But, uh, but yeah, so we, we start flying, heading that direction. Uh, and once we get on scene, there's just a ton of debris in the water. Uh, you can see the sheen from the aircraft fuel, you know, there's just parts everywhere. Um, and so that's why I ended up just going 70 down the wire. Um, and, uh, but yeah, so we get on scene. Uh, I go 70 down the wire to the first guy. Uh, he so ended up 70 being, down the wire means you're connected to the hoist hook and you're getting lowered via the hoist hook down. No free fall or helo cast or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't like a sorry jump or anything, which I wish it would have been. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe all 10 to 10 or, or you know, uh, 15 zero or something like that would have been cool just to say that I did that. But uh, but yeah, with the, the debris in the water and everything, they claimed that it was best to just go down the down the hoist so which um, i would agree with i'm just going to throw that out there for you yeah yeah and uh mind you during this too i had a really big mustache um so I, we claimed that that was filtering the fuel for me from getting my mouth <laughs> yeah but uh oh, but yeah, hilarious so... <laughs> yeah the the first guy though um he was captain was his call sign because um, it was ha Captain and Gilligan were the two guys because uh, it was a F-18 Foxtrot, so two-seater. Um, but he, the first guy, the NFO, he was pretty fine for the most part, but he had a pretty good contusion on his head. Um, like it was like kind of sticking out underneath his helmet and whatnot. It was, it was quite large, but um, oh, I forgot actually a pretty big detail. <laughs> we had three passengers on board during this inside of a uh, trucked out foxtrot so uh, it's basically has like everything in there uh, or it, everything pulled out from uh, the sonar reeling machine and everything that we use for anti-submarine warfare um, so there's not a lot of room uh, and there was only room enough for one litter even if we needed one uh, so we took all the, the passengers uh, all three of them and then basically stuffed them up in the tunnel um, no seats no nothing for them I mean, there was a, it was a really dynamic situation. It sounds, you know, pretty simple so far, but um, we either had to break NATOPS or bend the rules with the three tack 50, which is our SAR Bible, you know, that we use. Yeah. Um, so there was, you know, just a lot of variables there. Uh, we also asked tower if we can bring the passengers in and drop them off anyways. Uh, they had mentioned that that's a no go completely. Um, wow. And just told us to basically, get our asses over there and get them out of the water now. Um, <clears throat> so we, you know, obviously listened to them and went straight over there and shoved all these guys up in the tunnel. <laughs> well, That's one of awesome. them was, uh, one of which was a pastor uh, or chaplain, sorry. 
um, he was a chaplain. And then the other one was a photographer, an MC. Um, and then the other one was like, I think it was probably the kid's like second day in the Navy. It seemed like he was brand new. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, but yeah, so I get to the first survivor. I go through all the checks. Um, and, you know, I didn't, in that moment, I knew that I, was, I should be putting him up in a litter. I mean, it's an ejection and that's typically what we're trained to do is put him up in a litter. Um, but with the situation that's already up above in the aircraft with not a lot of room and all this other stuff, um, I wanted to make sure that if I needed to use a litter, that one of these guys had a broken back to the best of my ability or did not have a broken back to put him in something else. Yeah. Um, so uh, basically, I went over, did all my disentanglements on this guy. Um, Parachute still check- attached to both of them in the water? Uh, no, detached from them. Okay. Uh, cool. This guy only had the uh, O2 host port still connected, but the seat, uh, that little panel, yep. you know, that's the only thing he still had connected. So pulled that off. Um, but checking for step off, you know, I was kind of feeling up and down. I was feeling his toes, making wiggle them. I was doing everything I possibly could and like did it like four times, you know, just to make sure. Cause I was really nervous thinking that I would injure this guy further potentially if I put him up in a strop, cause that was the only other tool we had. Um, so I ended up putting him up in a strop, but going up with him uh, so that I can try to, you know, control the situation as much as possible and keep him, you know, from bumping anything or as stable as possible. Um, so got the first guy up in there. Um, and then he just had that contusion. That's the main thing that, that he really had. Uh, and then the second survivor, which by the way, when I was in the water, I was yelling at him and, you know, he gave me like a thumbs up that he was okay. So, you know, I felt pretty good taking my time at least with this other guy. And, but once we get over to the pilot, um, uh, you know, 70 feet back down the hoist, uh, back to this guy and I get in close to him. I start doing my disentanglements and he starts kind of acting a little freaked out. Uh, he said that he was afraid of sharks. Um, and, and I was like, Oh, okay. Like, you know, well, we're, we're in the middle of the North Arabian sea right now. Like there's like, you, you know, you haven't been here long. I'm pretty sure we're good. Like they're probably more afraid of anything right now and going elsewhere with a helicopter. And uh, he said it again and he's like, no, but I got like a little bit of blood. And so I like look in the water and I'm like, dude, there's no sharks. But then when I did that, I see his hands finally. And he's got these huge lacerations on his thumbs um, from when he ejected, I guess. So his arms kind of flailed out when they ejected and it cut his thumbs almost off. Like there was this huge laceration. Yeah. And so, uh, once I saw that, you know, it was obviously uh, a little more urgent and things like that. You know, I, it wasn't like squirting or anything along those lines. So, you know, I felt comfortable just kind of proceeding forward, but, um, but yeah, so brought him up with the strop as well. He did, you know, wasn't complaining of any back pain. He was very coherent. Um, and then, but it was the funny part is once we bring him up into the aircraft, there says blood is everywhere. Uh, it's getting all of the cabin floor. And that was the first time that the, uh, the passengers in the aircraft had realized that this was a real rescue. They thought the entire time that it was actually a training event that they just happened to be on. <laughs> so, yeah, like they were just like, oh, shit, like there's actually blood. Go, OK, this is real. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. And then. Um, but, yeah, so at that point, once we had them both in, we got them all strapped in and. Um, you know, got everything situated, 
pulled their patches. I got their name tapes at that time as well. Um, and then, uh, yeah, got them suitcased and ready to roll back to the aircraft carrier. It was only about a five minute flight to there. Uh, cause when they ejected, it was about two miles behind the ship, but yeah, yeah, <laughs> it was definitely and interesting. Tyler, and that's <laughs> your very first rescue. Sick. Yeah. <laughs> I am sorry for the guys that had to punch out. That's that's uh, like I, you know, it's one of those weird things. Like you don't ever want anybody to get hurt, but man, if you don't get hurt, yeah. I don't have a job. So <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I, and I got to go see them later um, later that evening uh, in the carrier because they were just on the in the hospital area down there and medical. Um, they sent uh, the guy with the pilot off. He had to get plastic surgery and get like recon or reconstructive surgery on his hands. Yeah. Um, and then the other guy, I still follow him on Instagram actually, um, and then he's he's still in the Navy, I believe. But uh, excellent. But yeah. Yeah, I think both of them went off next to be like Top Gun instructors or something. And then um, I don't know where they're at anymore, but. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Good for them. That's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Dang, Tyler. Well done, sir. That's amazing. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it, was, um, it was dynamic. It was done. Thank you, though. Appreciate it. Yeah. So, I, you know, I, I want to touch on a couple of things with this in particular. Can I debrief it a little bit with you? And yeah, is that yeah absolutely. All right, so the first one, I'm just gonna like passengers in the back of the aircraft. Man, I get that. Like it throw you out of the norm. So you, because we go out and train all the time, but very rarely do you ever train with like two or three extra people in the back, and you're like, uh, what are we gonna do with these guys? That's why it's a good thing you had, you know, the right hand man to God. So you had at least somebody to give you good prayers while you're up there, and then the next guy to take all the pictures and video you needed, but he didn't know, so he didn't even pull out a camera what the heck dude <laughs> and then the other guy's like what the heck did i just get myself into <laughs> yeah well apparently the guy the the camera kid he actually had his phone out and has a bunch of photos of the entire rescue but i have never seen him since and haven't been able to get a hold of him or anything so there's so there's photos of somewhere floating around <laughs> i love it <laughs> <laughs> what, where do I send these to? Yeah, we don't know. Just keep that on the down low. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, the other side of this, this whole mission, the fact that you watch them punch out of the aircraft, you literally watch this from start to finish. That doesn't happen very often. So yeah. <laughs> that's actually kind of pretty badass. You know, like you hear the emergency coming in or, or you know, you guys had this conversation. You watch them punch out of the aircraft. Um, aircraft goes in and now you're you're watching them basically parachute into the water um so something that we don't talk about too much here is parachute disentanglement and that is crazy real and totally legit and it's not just parachutes that i'm going to refer to here because when you start talking lines in the water or you know like sails um any type of cloth that gets wrapped up around people parachute disentanglement stuff that's what they teach us in school as well going upwind. Now, the fact that they were already disconnected is a bonus, um, which is for the most part, pilots are trained to that, what, 10, five feet off the water, 10 feet off the water, they pull the cobra buckles or something like that. Or something like that, probably. The, I'm yeah, sure, so, yeah. But um, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. the last thing you want to do is get like wrapped up in a parachute or any of the parachute lines, because it is not fun. So 
yeah it was definitely eerie seeing because you could the parachutes were in the water you could see them uh fully ballooned um but like probably 30 feet under uh is my guess roughly but you can kind of just because the water is so clear you know you can just see that like brighter blue kind of hue to it uh and it was a bit eerie because it was just moving all slow and everything outside was all fast and you know what i mean it was it was a little eerie for sure because and you just know from training that that's like one of our worst enemies is getting tangled in those so you really stay you know kind of tuned into it but yeah yeah. nice wow man freaking awesome (laughs) yeah no it was it was uh I think that every, when I got back on the ship, everybody said that I looked like a ghost. Like I had no blood in my face. I was just <laughs> fight. <laughs> and uh, yeah. like, what the hell just happened? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it happened so fast too. Like just the whole thing was just, you know, I guess, I think it said 19 minutes, but that was like from the time of the call to them being transferred over to medical. And so it was like, it was like a pretty quick whole situation, you know, but it was, I think what really threw me was just, yeah, like you said, like seeing the ejection like live in person, (laughs) that was, it got your heart rate going for sure. Like immediately, you know? Yeah. You see a punch out, you're like, oh my God, that just happened. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And I guess the, um, from what I was told, the reason that they ran out, so they ran out of fuel is why they, they ejected two miles behind the ship but they ran out of fuel because they were doing in-flight refueling. And then um, the female end hit the, the male end, fought it out the engine. And then, so they were running on single engine, low on fuel. They diverted to Masira Oman to try to land there. Once they got in comms, they realized that the airfield was shut down due to a dust storm. So they had to divert back to the ship. Um, and instead of, which this is my opinion. I don't know the entire, you know, obviously what was going on at the bridge and stuff like that, but I believe they should have turned the carrier around to close the gap and then turn it back into the wind to let the, the aircraft land. Um, but they just kept going along, steaming along and two miles, <laughs> you know, wow. it was just nothing. two miles around, I guess. Dang. But, well, that's yeah. why it's a good thing you and I are not in charge of the carriers. Just gonna throw that out Agreed. there. All right. <laughs> Agree. <laughs> Cause like the captain or Admiral or whoever's driving, he's like, Yeah, you have no idea how long it would take us to turn around and then turn around again. <laughs> Cause I have yeah. no idea. So I'm you know, whatever. They're they're quicker than you think. They are definitely okay. quicker than they're impressed. Roger that. <laughs> but it, it definitely, you know, it takes take some some crew resources to do that i would imagine <laughs> yeah dang well yeah. tyler you know what well done and and the fact that those guys are one of them still flying in the navy now that's fantastic yeah awesome yeah, I, I believe they both continued on with their careers but i just lost track of the other one of the pilot so right on oh dude that's awesome i love it <laughs> well I, again thank you for sharing that story that's pretty badass um you did three deployments total. Is that right? Uh, yeah. The the first, I, it's debatable. So it could be like one really long one, but with a gap in between. So we did about like eight months and then had to resurface the flight deck. So we were home for about a month and a half. Okay. And all of us ended up getting a dude house together. <laughs> all of us screaming. <laughs> one half of the 
early <laughs> for a month and a half between deployments, you know. Uh, and then uh, and then right back out again for I think it was pretty long, like another eight to ten months or something. It was wow. Okay. It was a long long stint. Yeah. Right on. Uh, all right. So then after that stint, how long did you come home for? Uh, I was home for probably about two years, roughly. Right um, okay. And but with a lot of debts and detachments and stuff like that all the time. Uh, but then started workups and then back for um, a third deployment. And then that's when we went out on the Truman instead of the Eisenhower. And, um, and that one, I did a detachment uh, heading off of there into Iraq for a personnel recovery debt. Right. Um, yeah. So that in particular, uh, tour or deployment deployment or tour which you um i think us navy guys we just call them deployments all right yeah so that in particular deployment uh you ended up at the end of the deployment you earned yourself an air medal and an air medal out of that is basically for you know all your flight hours in uh, like a combat zone and but you had some interesting stories that there that we can't really touch too much on but we can a little bit and I'm excited to hear a little bit about it. So <laughs> tag, you're it, dude. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I yeah, I, I don't know the depth of which I, I cannot go into to details with some of the stuff, but I but I mean for the most part, it was a, a really fun deployment. Um it was a great experience. It was the first time the Navy had done that from what I was told since Vietnam to have like a dedicated uh, detachment like that. Um and so we were out there with the Air Force as like a joint uh, deployment. Uh, with the Navy crew and Air Force pararescue men in the back. Uh, awesome. And, and that was our our only mission was uh, dedicated personnel recovery. So same thing that we do over land, over water on the Navy side, which is just wait for aircraft to go down. Uh, same thing, but just the overland version, um, wow. which is obviously a lot more dynamic. But uh, yeah. but it was a good time though. We did a lot of training. Um, we all got really good at doing it out there for sure. Um, worked with the PJs every single day, hoisting every single day, trying to make it harder and harder, um, more dynamic, uh, you know, you name it. It was a good time for sure. Um, Dude, I love that. I love the idea of, of that training. You get to train every day, fly, hoist, and, and not you every day, but you like every day there's a training flight. Every day guys are going out getting proficient, getting better and better and better, trying to make the scenarios a little harder. I love it. Dude, I love that. Yeah, it was, it was awesome. Uh, we had to, we were able to kind of like do a lot of learning so that we could, you know, educate everyone when we get back. And um, it was, yeah, I mean, I, I felt that I learned a lot about, uh, you know, things outside of the Navy. I learned a lot about myself, uh, about all the guys that were out there with us. Um, you know, there wasn't very many of us, so we all got very, very close as well. Um, still talked to pretty much every one of the guys that I was out there with um, on that deployment on a regular basis, at least monthly. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, it even helped me, I would say, get the job that I have now, <laughs> to be honest. Um, I mean, it's, it, it did a lot of good for sure. Um, and then uh yeah i mean it, it was a great time i don't really have a whole lot of complaints just working out getting extremely strong with all the dudes and bonfires and killing rats all the time 
Oh, that's <clears> hilarious. <throat> yeah. Yeah, it was, um, it was a good time. Now you, I, can't, I don't know if you can even talk about this part of it, but you actually got called out or your detachment was had to respond to something and you were in like you you were part of it but like on a different side of this part of the the mission yeah uh, uh yeah i mean i don't know if i would necessarily call myself part of the rescue per se like in the way that right. all of us would technically consider you know that by any means but uh but i was on watch at the time um but out there a little different we were basically like the relay you know of everything going on um and then so i was able to kind of see a different side of uh what goes on during a rescue when it comes to how much coordination uh with something like that when it comes to intel from uh coordinating assets to you know just every roping in and, and looking what other missions are going on and and how we can get them in to help if needed and all that kind of stuff so there was a lot of dynamic parts of of that situation that um were, were really eye-opening for sure uh, just even the capabilities that we had that that i knew we had but didn't really know in the way of like just through the pubs you know because we just see the the, <clears throat> the side of like you know being out there doing the job from the aircraft not necessarily like everybody else that's supporting us from the other side you know so right um it was a cool perspective to see and uh and yeah i mean it was cool there was uh, all the guys that went on it you know that they're it was a big joke kind of in a lot of ways, you know, it was like, Oh, yay. Everybody did PR, you know, cause it was kind of like my other rescue. It was kind <laughs> of pretty straightforward, you know, I mean, <clears throat> there wasn't anything like, I mean, mine had, a, I guess the, a little bit of curveballs, but this one was, there was curveballs, but they were different. You know, it was just every rescue is different, I guess. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. But it was pretty much what we trained for the whole time we were there though, you know, like to the T <laughs> Minus, minus any kind of shooting or anything like that, you know, getting the right you know, on. That, that things, but, um, but yeah, so it was, it was cool. It was a good time. I love it, man. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so now you had mentioned kind of where you're at now. Uh, so you do work with Masif and Masif is a, like, I love your, the gear. I wear it all the time. It's all the fight suit stuff, um, fire retardant material, blah, blah, blah. So mm -hmm. what, give us a little rundown. How the heck did you get into that? <laughs> uh, yeah. So <clears throat> I've always been kind of the gear nerd uh, at the squadrons and stuff like that when I was in the Navy. Uh, so always just really into the equipment and whatnot. So um, same thing happened from every sport that I've ever been in, you know, just really into the, the equipment that goes into, into the whole thing. So um, it seemed kind of fitting, but, um, but yeah, when I got out of the Navy, I went and actually worked at Bristow Group for, for a while there. Um, and then while I was there, um, my old next door neighbor, when I got back from Iraq, had hit me up on Instagram on a photo I had posted and asked if there's anybody from the community that was looking for a job as like a sales rep. Um, and I just kind of was like, you know, eh, I'll see what's going on. Like, what is it, you know? And um, ended up applying for it and, I think I was interviewed by about like 30 people in total at the time. I think. So it was a pretty intense interview process. Uh, they flew them up to Oregon to headquarters and then out to Vegas uh, shot show to be interviewed uh, kind of right there in the, the thick of it. <laughs> if you're in the industry, they, they definitely know it's, it's definitely a crazy show for sure. But, um, 
but yeah, so I've been there ever since. Um, I've been here for about uh, four, a little over four years now. Um, Perfect. Yeah. And I manage all the sales for the Navy, Coast Guard, uh, and then the helicopter EMS community now. So nice. it's been it's been a good time uh, for sure. It's been a nice platform to to have the voice, I guess, uh, for my community, uh, which is uh, you know on the Navy side, two piece flight suits are a big deal. It's uh, it's it has been for quite some time, you know, where it's like you're really awesome when you finally get one. Um, and, uh, I feel like I can kind of make, spread the stoke, if you will, you know, throughout the community yeah. and, a lot of place. Um, and then on top of that, you know, if we hear, if there's any issues with any garments or we hear this kind of stuff, I'm able to kind of translate that from the end user perspective to the design team and, um, and really listen to the squeaks from like a third class that comes to me with an idea or a problem or, or solution to something. And I come back a year later and show him that you know this was his idea i think that that's where i get like a lot of satisfaction out of it i think is uh is being able to do that and kind of be a voice for the community in a lot of ways that uh haven't been um greased in a long time if you will right, since like right, yeah. really <laughs> you know but well, um, i think that's great too because you not only were wearing flight suits and and wearing the gear now you're you're helping it you're just helping make it better so when guys in the field come to you and you're like, hey, dude, I got an idea. And you're like, no, that's stupid. And here's why. Although you don't say that. You're like, oh, thanks for the idea. That's great. We'll consider that. <laughs> I know that I got the lingo. I got it. But <laughs> the other stuff is like, just as an example, the, the zippers on the leg pockets, you've got one going, you know, kind of up and down and then one going left and right or side to side. And it's all based on, are you sitting down in a crew seat and can't stand up or are you standing up walking around? And I was like, how freaking simple and easy is that? That's awesome. I have two access points depending on what I'm doing. And dude, it's one of my favorite things. I'm like, <laughs> oh, that's awesome. And I do love the two pieces. Well, I, when you're done flying, you get to shed a piece of garment and kind of get a little more relaxed, but cool off a little bit. So anyway. absolutely. No, yeah, no, it's, it's definitely been fun. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's a great company to work for. Uh, everyone there, it's a small town, small company, a lot smaller than most people think. There's only like 40 people that work there, you know? Um, wow. And yeah, that's, yeah, it's, we have a small, small, you know, group, but pretty large footprint. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm super stoked to be here and uh, it's a great place. Dude, Tyler, this is awesome. What you've done, what you're doing, man, I'm, I'm stoked for you. Uh, again, thank you so much for sharing the, the rescue because that's insane as well. I love it. Uh, but, buddy, I, you know, one more opportunity for you. If there's anything else you want to you tell everybody, uh, you're more than welcome to. Other than that, we can close this out and call it good. Yeah, I'm good. Thank you for having me, Jason. Appreciate it. And, Absolutely. Uh, it's hey, good to see you too, man. I, I look forward to seeing it the next um, whatever show or wherever spin the globe wherever we <laughs> land together because i'm sure, sure i'll be there so yeah but somewhere anyway. in the country <laughs> awesome i love it man i'll see you soon and i'll be in touch thanks again for coming on dude thank you and with that see ladies and gentlemen we are out of here Go. thank you for tuning in we hope you enjoyed this episode of the real rescue podcast please take a minute to like subscribe and hit that share button 
I'm pulling jocks and taking off. But before I go, if anyone out there has a rescue story they would be willing to share, I would be humbled and honored to have you on as a guest. Or if you have any questions about rescue or anything else we talk about here, send an email to jason at therealrescue.com. That's jason at T-H-E-R-E-A-L-R-E-S-Q.com. You can also check us out on our web pages, therealrescue.com, our Facebook page, and our Instagram page, at The Real Rescue. Again, a special thank you to all of you standing on the watch today. Always remember, when that SAR alarm goes off, those in distress are praying for a miracle. They are going to get you. Until next time, fly safe and swim hard. <laughs>